good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It's so, so, so good to see you, and Happy New Year. Wow, it's 2019. I remember, I remember when it was 1999, and we thought the world was going to, you got, anybody remember that? Anybody buy a bunch of cased water? And, I mean, I stocked up for six months worth of stuff. Did anybody else do that? Like, I had tons of firewood, I had gas, I had propane. <clears throat> you know, better safe than sorry, that's what I was thinking. I was actually excited about it because I thought the world was going to shut down and I could camp out for like 90 days. So it was like it rolled around and nothing happened, but I sure had a lot of water left over. So anyway, I'm glad you're here. Brand new year. Uh, you got to meet Zach. We got a lot of new people. I'm going to introduce a new youth leader to you next week. I'm excited about some of the new things that God is doing. This past week, somebody sat down with me and, and talked to me and just said, just kind of stirred a question that led to some of the things I'm going to say today. Uh, he said to me, he said, hey, if you could go back into 2018, is there anything that you would do differently? And I said, hey, I can beat that. I can go back in 2017, 16, 15, 14. I could go back two decades. If I could, I would do some things differently. But if you really think about it, even things that you, may, that you messed up on, your failures had a hand in who you are. Even your failures actually made you better today. Would you agree with that? So I would definitely do some things differently, but I don't know if I would change everything because some of the things that I messed up, my blow-it moments, have, have shaped me and prepared me, and I believe have brought me to a place for, for where I am today. But here's what I know I would do. I would absolutely, here's what I absolutely know that I would do. I would find out earlier in life what matters the most and I would call those first things, if you will. I would find out what matters the most, and I would do those things first. What about you? I, does anybody, I would go back, if I could go back, I would find out what matters the most. Here's what happened. I found out what matters the most a little bit later in life. But if I could do something differently, if you said, Travis, you have a time machine, here you go, step in and go. I would go back in time, and I would find out what matters the most, and I would spend time, and I would do those things first or earlier, earlier in life. Here's what I've come to believe, that if you want a successful life, a fulfilling life in this new year, and I'm talking about within the context of living for God, okay? When we talk about success, there's a definition from the world standpoint of view, but there's also a, a, a definition from God's point of view that I want everything that this life has to offer within the context of living for my Lord and honoring God. So if, if that's going to happen in this upcoming year, I would say this. If that's something that you desire for your life, um, I would say that we need to find out what the first things are for our life. We need to do what matters the most first. I want to kick off a brand new series today called First Things where we're going to be challenged to identify the most important things in our life, and we're going to be challenged to do those things first in our life. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and thank you for a brand new year. As we dive into this brand new year, I ask, Lord, that you will give us wisdom and direction, and even today, challenge and change us in areas that we need to change, and we thank you for life, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... I want you to look at your neighbor and say, well, it's here. We're talking about a brand new year. It's here. 
It's amazing how fast, you know, we, we anticipate Christmas and we're excited about it. And it feels like, you know, I just put up my tree. Did anybody have to take their tree down this, this past week? That is a, that is, I do not enjoy that. That is a pain having to, you know, you get that tree out and you have to, you get individual little limbs, you got to, you know, and put them out and everything. You got to put, you got to put all the little things on there and all. You put all that on there and you, you know, you, you sit back and then it's over. It's like boom, bang, bang. And it's over and then you're like, oh, I got to put all that stuff away. It happens so fast. But life happens that way. It moves in cycles, and it, if you're not careful, it goes by really, really fast. I've, have, you ever, have you ever felt like, within the new year, have you ever felt like in a day that all the things that you have to do in a day, it makes you feel overwhelmed? Have you looked at your week in January? You say, well, I'm going to do these things, I'm going to do those things. And really, because we get a brand new year, I think that's an awesome thing. I set some things in order. I try my best to do some brand new things to, you know, some of those things kind of fall away by about February, but some of those things actually do, they happen for the entire year. Whatever happens, I, I recommend set New Year's resolutions. Say, well, you know, it doesn't work out. Set them anyway. One of these days it's going to click and it's going to stay. Don't give up, okay? But have you ever felt like in a day you've got way, much to, way too much to do and it feels like it's overwhelming? Have you ever felt like that? I know that there's a lot of things that happen in my life that, that, I, that I, I plan a week and kind of goes with, with, with what I do for a living, somebody can walk into my office and change my entire weekend. I can get some kind of news or about a family. It's not just my family. I have a church filled with families and, and people that go through things. It can affect the entire week. And sometimes it feels like when I get ready to do things and I have a to-do list. Do you guys like to-do lists? I like to-do lists because it, it helps me feel, it helps me deal with an overwhelming feeling of things that I have to do. So what I will do is I'll write out a to-do list, and then I will put those in order of importance, and then I will put those on my calendar. Now, I have learned to, put the, to give things a variance, to give things a, a soft deadline, if you will. It used to be I would do this at 10 o'clock, and then when it didn't work out, I'm like, ah, I just blew it. Forget it. I just won't. Well, we'll put that on 2020's calendar. You know what I'm saying? But what I've done is I've given myself a soft deadline and say, you know, I'm going to do this by noon or I'm going to do this by, by January the 20th. But here's the deal. What we have to do is we have to write things down in order of importance and place those and put those on deadlines. Here's, here's, here's what I want to say. To do what matters the most, you have to decide what matters the most. We have to do that. To do what matters the most, and I'm talking about in life. I'm not talking about just tomorrow on your today to-do list. I'm talking about what do, to do what matters the most in your life. You have to make a decision about what is the most important thing in my life. Now, how do you figure that out? Well, a couple of ways you can do that. First of all, you can wait till you get my age. You turn 50, and you can look back on your life and say, now I know what matters the most. Or... You can draw from references in our lives. You can sit down with people. Last week I talked about the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people. If you don't know how to win in life, get around people who know how to win. If you don't understand what matters the most in life, get around people who, have under, who understand, who've got life experience that know the most important things. So that's one way that we can understand and grab, grab a hold of what matters the most. But another thing is, is through, through books, 
There are books and resources out there where there's, a, there's way too much knowledge that we can grab a hold of that can tell us what matters the most or, or that we can draw from that helps us understand what matters the most. But I can tell you, and of course, you know, because I'm a pastor, I can tell you the best place to reference what matters the most in life are the words of Jesus. Now, I don't say that just because I'm a pastor. I have studied the words of Jesus. And from the words of Jesus, we have the apostles. And you can find out through Scripture what matters the most. And we see this. This is what Jesus says matters the most in our lives in Matthew 6 and 31 through 33. He says this. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or the outsiders, if you will, they seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows, what, knows that you need them all. But what? Seek first. Seek, seek last? Seek first, what? The kingdom of God. Now, we're going to talk about, next week, we're going to talk about righteousness, which is basically living right. We're going to take, talk about how this plays out. But today, we're going to talk about seeking first the kingdom of God and all of the things, all of what things? The things that you worry about, the things that you're anxious about, all of these things will be added to you. These are the first things Jesus was saying. These are the things that matter the most. It's, it's incredible that he narrowed it down to two different things. And as, as I look at this, I think, well, there's way more things in life than that, but it can be narrowed down. All of, the, all of what we want in life and all of the things that matter the most are subcategories of seeking first the kingdom of God, and I want to show that to you. This is actually a passage about worry. It's actually a scripture that, that is dealing with worry, but we see that what Jesus is saying is what happens for us, is that we worry and we seek and we pursue the things that we want. We, we worry, we pursue, and we seek the things that we need. And Jesus is saying that we have that backwards. Instead of worrying, do you ever worry about anything? Of course. Do you worry about the things that you need? Do you worry about the provisions for your family? That is a natural emotion. It's a natural feeling. We worry about those things. We wake up worried about and anxious about, hey, i got to hit the ground running. I've got to get some things going. Hey, I heard somebody say this one time. Nothing motivates a man like mortgage payments. <laughs> right? We worry about those things. But Jesus is saying this, you got that backwards. Don't worry, don't be anxious about those things. If you will seek first the kingdom of God, I will give you those things or I will add those things into your life. And that is a hard thing to do because it takes faith. Because I wake up worried. I don't know about you, but when something's going on and I got deadlines or I got some things that I have to, have to pay off, I wake up worried. But if we will seek first the kingdom of God, naturally, I wake up worried. Naturally, I don't seek first the kingdom of God. But my behavior leads me to seek first the kingdom of God. I wake up in the morning, and I'm going to talk to you more about this in the next couple of weeks. But I wake up in the morning, and I hit my Bible, and I hit my knees. I, I, I break open my journal, and I pray, and I hit the word of God. Because that tells me to seek first the kingdom of God. And I take a big breath and say, okay, God, you said in your word that you would take care of these things. These, these, if I will commit to you this first thing, you will take care of the other things in my life. If you believe that, say amen. 
So Jesus said, don't worry, find out what matters the most or seek the things that matter the most and he'll give us these things. So two distinct areas to seek. Like I said, I'm going to talk about living right next week, but this week is the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Okay, Travis, we get it. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. But what if I were to ask you, okay, good, tomorrow we start seeking first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God actually? How are you going to seek first the kingdom of God? Well, the answer to that is this. The kingdom of God is God's eternal plan for this world. Well, how are we going to seek that? I'm going to show you. It's God's eternal plan for past, present, and future world. In fact, the universe. Ephesians 3 and 8 talks about the kingdom of God. It says to me, the apostle Paul is talking right in this church through Ephesus, and he's saying that God has done a work in his life to reveal the mysteries of God. He says, I am the least of the apostles or the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light to everyone what is what? What is what? The plan. God has a plan not just for your life, but also for the world. In fact, he has a plan for you. And and check this out. The, The plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Next verse. So that through the what? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. So God has a plan, not only for your life, but a plan for you within the context of the church by which he will bring about his, his eternal plan into the world. God has a plan for the world, and the nucleus of his plan is the church. Even before the ages began, before time began, God devised a plan. It began with Adam, and then from Adam, through generations and generations, we have Abraham. And with Abraham, God said, okay, I'm going to create a nation of people through Abraham. And from that nation of people, the Son of God, Jesus, would step into the planet, into earth. And from Jesus, we have the church. So that's the plan of God up until now, the present time. The church, God's people, would change the world, and they would reconcile the world. They would change the world. That is the plan God has for the church. The new world will be ruled by Jesus. It has not yet come. Check this out. In Revelation 10 and 5, the mysterious plan yet to be revealed. Now remember, Revelation was the revelation of Jesus given to John, the beloved. And in this, we see where God is going with his eternal plan, but we don't know what it is. Check this out. Revelation 10, 5 says, The angel I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand towards heaven. He swore an oath, and this is what he swears. He says, There will be no more delay than the seventh angel, or when the seventh angel blows his trumpet, God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. It will happen just as he announced it to his servants, the prophets. In other words, there is a plan that we don't know about. There was a plan that the prophets didn't know about in the Old Testament. They didn't completely understand it. It was not yet revealed. The apostle Paul said they didn't know that plan. It was revealed to us through the church. But God has a plan in the future that that we have yet to see that is going to be brought about through the church. The reason I'm telling you this is when he talks about the, the kingdom of God, he's talking about what he's doing in the world through the church. So let me ask you a question Who is the church? Who is the church? It's us. The church is you, and the church is me. If you think about it, 
The church, God's people, is the body, it's the machine, it is this, this unstoppable force by which God is changing the world. So let me, let me make it a little bit more personal. God is changing the world, God is reconciling the world to himself, and God is going to bring about his ultimate plan, his kingdom, through the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is you. The church is you. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. I want you to look at your second choice of neighbor, the other side, and say, he's talking to you. You are the church. I am the church. It's a scary thought that God is going to change the world and reconcile through me and through you, but it's an incredible privilege. So with that in mind, I want to go a step further. I think it's important. So the kingdom of God is God's plan, past, present, future, that is fulfilled through the church. So with that, what does it look like within the context of the church to seek the kingdom of God through? Let me, let me just ask you a quick question before I go any further. Can you see that the kingdom of God is fulfilled through the church? Have I established that? Is that, is that as clear as mud? <laughs> Do you see the importance of this church, and I'm not just talking about the church building. I'm, I'm talking about the church all over the world, the universal church of Jesus Christ. Can you see that that is the kingdom of God? God fulfills his kingdom work through the church. With that, with that in mind, I want to take one more step, and I want to talk about three different areas by which within the local church, what does it look like? What is it to pursue the kingdom of God, to seek the kingdom of God through the church? And, and, and it's not deep stuff. It's pretty simple. No, because I, I wrote it. <laughs> it can't be too complicated if I wrote it. But number one, it's kind of some first steps to your relationship with God through his church. Number one is attending. If we're going to seek God through his church, would you agree that a first step would be attending? Now, I'm preaching to the choir today because you're all here. But I want to talk to you about the importance of this. What if 2019 was the year that Faith Co. Church, as an entire church, we decided to make attending worship on weekends a first thing, that that was a priority? What if this was, I, I, I look at our attendance and I look at when people check in through kids ministry and I look at also, we, we track some of this and also I see some of you. And what we find out is that Half the church, half of our church comes at least twice a month. And another half of our church comes about once a month. And about 30% of our church comes about once every six weeks. So if you really sat down and you thought about, hey, what if everybody come about, uh, you know, at least three times a week? If everybody that goes to church here, everybody that called their church, Faith Co. Church, would, would come consistently, instead of having about 400 people in attendance, would have about 700 people in attendance. And what could we accomplish if, if our church really made attending a first thing? Look at Hebrews 10 and 24. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I want to read that again. Let us think of ways to motivate. He's talking about the church coming together, the church meeting together. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encouraging one another. I want to tell you something. Just showing up to me is the most important thing. Now, you might debate that. But as a pastor, I'm telling you, from what I've learned, 
Just showing up to me is the most important thing. Now, I'm going to challenge you to more. I'm going to challenge you to serve. I'm going to challenge you to give. I'm going to challenge you to be a a part of a connect group. I'm I'm going to, every week, I'm going to challenge you to go to growth track because I know that if I can get you to take the next step in your walk with God, that God is going to take you to a new level. So I'm always going to challenge you. But the biggest thing that I can do, the, the biggest thing that I try to get people to do is just to show up consistently because I know that God will do something, eventually he'll get a hold of your heart. I have had people sit in church for a year, even three years, without giving their life to Christ. But because they continue to show up at some point in their relationship with God, at some point, God will do something in their lives, or I will say something that connects with them, and a light comes on, and they will step across that line and take another step. I'm telling you, God does something. Just by us showing up and being a part of worship. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Travis, you're just the most awesome preacher I've ever heard. That, like, I know what you're, you're thinking. I can't believe that because I hear people say it to me every single week. They say, hey, man, Travis, it's like you read my mail. Hey, Travis, God is dealing with you. Man, you are this super spiritual guy. You're just on a whole nother level, man. You're, you're awesome. Let me, let me just give you a newsflash. I ain't that good. Nobody is. Here's what happens. God knows what's going on in your life on a weekly basis. He knows what you're praying about. He knows what you're crying about. He knows that you got a broken heart. He knows that you're needing some, some, some things worked out in your job. He knows all of these things as you take them to him daily in prayer. So as you're taking these things to God, I'm like, typing on my computer, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say, and I'm praying on a daily basis, God, give me something that changes the lives of people. Speak to your people every single week. So I'm typing in between getting distracted by, you know, you know like uh, cats fighting on, on, on Instagram. You know, I'm typing. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, just I'm, I'm praying about this and going back and forth, and somewhere in there, God begins to deal with me about saying something that reaches you. Don't you know that since this whole thing was Jesus' plan, that this is his beautiful bride, he's going to make sure that if you continue to come here, he's going to speak to your life, not only through me, just also, also through the singing, also through being touched by somebody, through the foyer, through the coffee bar, through kids' ministry, God is going to touch your life because that's his plan. This whole thing is his baby. It's his bride. Are you hearing me? It's special. So when we show up and when we are a part of this, God's going to make sure that he blesses you. Another thing is, I have been a part of so many lives throughout the years and throughout you know, for the last couple of decades that we've been here, people come to me. Every other week, somebody will come to me and say, you have no idea how much that you have blessed my life. Travis, you have no idea how much you have had a part. I've, I've married people. I've, I've done funerals for families. I've done all of these things. And I'm telling you, you have blessed my life as much as I've blessed your life. Even if I don't know you, even if I don't see you, even if I don't know you that well, just by being here, you bringing your friends is a blessing to me because it gives people an opportunity to, ne- to take the next step in their walk with Christ. This past week, I sat down with a guy. He was here last week, Steve Petrie. You guys remember him last week, recording artist from Los Angeles. I've known him for, for 25 years, and he came and he sang for us last week, and he he said, uh, he, he, we were at uh, 
Bricktown, and he sat down. And he said, hey, congratulations on getting engaged. I'm really happy for you, Travis, and, and uh, we go way back. We're good friends. He said, by the way, you're welcome. I'm like, what? You need to do some splaining. What are you talking about? You're welcome. And he goes, he said, uh, he said, 16 years ago, I worked at a little restaurant called La Roca. Does anybody remember that restaurant, La Roca? I think it was downtown or something like that. And he said, um, as I was working there, and when he went to church, when he was attending church here, he said that his manager, I think her name was Bianca, he invited her to come to Faith Co. Church. And she comes to Faith Co. Church, and she, over time, gives her life to Christ. And as she's sitting here and coming to church every single weekend, she hears this message called Reach One. Have you guys heard me preach Reach One? Most of you can tell me what Reach One means. Many of you have the bracelets on. It's basically reaching our world one person at a time. So she hears this message, and she is so inspired that she decides that she is going to reach her friend, a, a young woman that was working for her in her restaurant. And uh, this young woman comes to church, and she rededicates her life to Christ. And uh, that is Lindsay, my fiance. Isn't that awesome? And over the, over the past 16 years, life happens, and then one thing leads to another, and her, all of her dreams and hopes have come true. So, so there you go. So the question was, are you glad that the guy asked me, are you decide, I, I, let me go back. Somebody asked me, are you glad that you started a church? I am absolutely glad that I started a church. I want you to think about what God has done in your life. Over the past however long you've been coming to Faith Coat Church, who have you met? Who have you who have who has sown into your life? Who have you connected with? Who's a part of your connect group? Who is the person who are people that, that you've taken a step in a relationship with? I want to tell you something. It matters whether or not we're here. Amen? It began with attending. So that's what it looks like. Seeking first the kingdom of God. First of all, it looks like attending his house. Number two. Seeking his kingdom through his church also looks like serving. It looks like serving. In 1 Peter 4 and 10, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. What does he say that we are to do with them? What does he say we are to do with them? Use them. Use them well to serve who? To serve one another. Now, this is the apostle Peter that has written a letter to a church a letter is an epistle, or epistle is a letter written to a church to advise them. This is not written to a community, a secular community. This is written to a church. He's saying, I want you to use your gift. I want you to use the gift from the variety of gifts that God has given to the church. God has given you a gift, and I want you to use that gift to serve each other within the context of the church. This is why we teach Serving. It's not, just, it's not just so you will serve God. It's not because we need more volunteers at the house. It means that God has called us to serve each other, serve each other within the context of the church. So what is serving? Serving God through the church is serving his people. It's that simple. It's serving others. I like to say it like this. Serving is doing something, or serving is doing 
let me back up. Serving is doing for someone else what someone has done for you. Look at that again. Serving, within the context of the church, is doing for someone what someone has done for you. I want you to think about your first experience at Faith Code Church and what it was like and the fact that somebody had to do something. Do you know that we exist here not because of the staff, but because of the people that serve? We, we have a, a, a pretty good-sized church that is run by about a half a dozen people. And when I bring, some, when I bring people on the team, I say, listen, this job's going to feel overwhelming. It's supposed to feel that way because God has called us to equip the church for works and ministry. I don't care if you get your job done. I'm more, more concerned about you equipping people for works and ministry like the Bible says. The dream team. If you think about it, someone got here early and turned on the lights today. Someone turned on the heat last night. Someone cleaned this past Tuesday and Wednesday. Someone made sure that the grounds were clean and the parking lot was adequate. Someone made sure that, that the kids' rooms and those areas were cleaned and secure. And somebody helped you, if you have kids, they helped you check into a kids' ministry that's secure and safe and warm and inviting. Someone rehearsed music all week long. Someone practiced their harmonies. Someone practiced their guitar parts and and their lyrics. Somebody practiced the drums. It's all complicated. It's all integral. But somebody did that all week long. Someone invited you. Someone made sure that the environment was comfortable. Somebody made sure that this area was, was hospitable. Somebody did this for you at some point. And serving within the context of a church is into response to what not only God has done for you, but also in response to what somebody has done for you. Somebody was serving before you got here. Amen? When we say yes, we don't just, we're not just on the team. When we say yes to serving, we're not just on the team. We participate to serving. What if we made serving Jesus through the context of the church a first thing? How much would that change our lives? So pursuing God and his kingdom, number one. It looks like attending, it looks like serving, and lastly, it looks like giving. And I'm going to talk more about this. I'm going to spend a couple minutes on it, but I'm going to talk more about this in a couple of weeks. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 12, it says, So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will, be, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Giving is a ministry that resources, giving is a ministry that, that returns Results. First of all, when we give, it blesses the church to be able to fulfill its work and its mission. A church is not a charity. A church is a mission. And I'm going to talk more about this. I don't have time to talk about this today. So it is something that brings return, but it doesn't just bring return in the way that it blesses the church and it blesses the mission of the church. It also impacts the lives of people. That when we give our resources, when we give our finances, it physically impacts the lives of people. For example, bikes for kids. That had to be resources. People, we raised money for that in our church, but it gave about 446 kids a bicycle that, that literally would change their day, may even change their lives. It's, it, my, my, when, I was, it, when I think of bikes for kids and why we started, I always reference the fact that when I, was, when I was six years old, I didn't have a bicycle. We didn't have the money to buy me anything for my birthday. And my uncle, I lived in Ada. My uncle drove from Shawnee to Ada 
and bought me a bicycle and put it together for me, and it changed my life. It changed everything. It, I want to tell you something. When you resource, when you give with your resource, it impacts the lives of people. It, Ecclesiastes 10 and 10 says money answers everything. For the hungry, it says we can give you food. For the sick, it says it can give you medicine. It can change and impact the lives of people. That's what money can do. And I want to tell you something. Generosity is in response. Our generosity is in response to a generous God. For example, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And through his son, we are given the church. And in, in response to the generosity that has been shown to us, in response to the generosity that God has allowed us to be a part of this great nation where we can become whatever we want to become, in response to the blessings of God that he has bestowed on us, our response is giving. Our response is generosity. If you believe that, say amen. What if 2019 we decided that giving to God in his church was a first thing. I'm asking you this because I believe that these are first things because I believe that this is the kingdom of God. Matthew 6 and 33, and I'm going to end with this. At the end of 2019, if you can fast forward about 12 months, at the end of this year, based on what we put in place in January and some of the things that we got going on and how we live our lives over the next 12 months. At the end of this year, you're going to experience one of two emotions, one of two feelings, satisfaction or regret. Based on what you decide to do with this year, you're going to feel that in December or January of next year you're going to look back on 2019 and you're going to feel and you're going to think of different things that you decided to do that you're either going to experience satisfaction or you're going to experience regret. And the reason I'm talking to you about this is because I've been in church long enough to know that I've never spoken to anybody before that gave something to God, decided to dedicate this area to God that decided to take this step in church, decided to, to, to look at God through generosity and decide to make a step, I've never talked to anybody that after a year of that looked back and said, you know what? Seeking God's kingdom and his path in my life was the biggest waste of time that I've ever experienced. That was the biggest blow-it moment of my life. That one year that I gave to God was the biggest blow-it of my life. I've never talked to anybody. And I've asked people before, how'd that work out for you? On the other side of that, I've talked to people before that said, you know, I decided to make a plan to take a step towards God and I dropped the ball about three months into it and I really regret that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that plan into place this new year. I hear a lot more of that, of, of where we decided to do it but didn't follow through. But what if 2019 was the year that you put those plans in place to follow God, to seek God's kingdom with your life and I've taken this step further and told you what the kingdom of God. I, we didn't just say the kingdom of God. We defined it, that it was his church, that God is changing the world through the church. God is changing the world through you. Therefore, he's got to do a work, and you are a process that he wants to work in you. He can't, he can't resource the church unless he first resources you. So it's all about you. But it's up to you to make that step.
So what if 2019 was the year that you took that step? And I don't know what that looks like for you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he'll change everything in your life if you will take a step to do these first things. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And, and thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. And, and I believe that, that you're challenging us in a brand new year to take a step. So may we answer the call to take this step. May we, uh, Lord, I, I pray that the things that we've heard today will sink deep into our hearts and bring change. In the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, I'm going to pray two prayers. The first prayer is, first of all, to the church. If God is challenging you in one of these three areas, in the context, within the context of the church, and the second prayer I'm going to pray is for people who don't know Christ. This first prayer is is for the church, as I said. Maybe you're here today and you can say, Travis, God is challenging me in my relationship to his church and pursuing his kingdom. I have not been seeking first the kingdom of God within the context of his church. Maybe God is telling you to take a step as far as attending. Maybe God is telling you to take a step as far as serving. Maybe God is telling you to take a step as far as giving. I don't know. I I can't tell you that, but whatever God is saying to you, I want to challenge you to take that step. And I'm going to pray with you that God will give you the strength and God will give you the wisdom by his Holy Spirit to follow through with this this year. And if you want to agree with me in prayer, you might be seated next to somebody that you love or you're close to. Let's agree together in prayer. Let's all pray together. I'm going to pray that God will challenge me in these areas and I will take the steps necessary. There are things that I want to accomplish or I want God to accomplish through my life this year. Let's all pray together for this new year. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for for speaking to us and for challenging us. And I believe, Lord, that there is a step that you want me to take within the context of your church. Where can I take a step to follow your path, God, that will bring about success and satisfaction within as I honor you with my life? I don't want to look back at the end of this year. I don't want to look back and say, I wish I would have done better. I wish I would have given more. I wish that I would serve more. I don't want to look back and have regrets. I want to look back and know that I gave my best, that I put you first. And I know, Lord, that this is, this is something that comes, this is a commandment that comes with promise and guarantee that if we will put you first, that you will bring about not only the things that we need, but the things that we desire. It comes from seeking after you and putting you first. We don't have to worry about the things that we need. We just need to put you first. And as we seek you in your kingdom, Lord, you will add these things to our lives. Lord, may we take a step in faith to trust your word and seek you first in this new year. And we commit to it today. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here and you don't know Christ and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, maybe you have never surrendered your life to Christ and today is your day. If you're here for the first time, I don't think you're here because you just stumbled in here. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you saw the sign. Maybe it's a brand new year and you're trying to make a decision to follow God. If that be the case, you're here for a reason and today is the day to give your life to Christ. Whether you've never Ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, or maybe you're here and you're returning. 
you want to rededicate your life to Christ, today is the day. I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. I'm going to pray a prayer just the way I prayed. You can give your life to Christ seated right where you are. In order for me to pray this prayer, I just want to know that people are going to give their life to Christ with nobody looking around. Just between you, me, and God, if you can say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it with you. Today I'm serious about this, and I'm going to give my life to Christ. I just want to know if I'm praying for people. So real quickly, just put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying for somebody. Can anybody say that? See your hand over here on the left. Anybody else? Anybody else? Travis, that's me. I want to let you know that I'm going to give my life to Christ today. I'm going to ask one more time, then we're going to pray. Anybody else before we pray? Okay, we're going to pray, and if you lifted your hand, repeat this prayer after us. Mean it with all your heart. Today's the day you give your life to Christ. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today, and I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins, and I confess that you are my Lord, that I believe in you, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, I commit my life to you. Now take my life and use it for your cause. From this moment on, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. Awesome.